You are listening to Pod Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. Do your skin a solid with solid lotion bars. No water is used in the process of making these bars. Just simple ingredients like butters, oils, and beeswax. Bars are solid at room temperature. Simply warm the bar on your hands or directly on dry skin areas, and your body heat melts it into a usable lotion. Each bar comes packaged in a portable tin, so you can keep one in your gym bag, purse, desk drawer, or next to the kitchen sink. Great for travel and gift giving. There are 12 solid options. Something for everyone, from citrus burst to cranberry fig to freshly shaved for men. At Solid, we pride ourselves on a solid product while doing a solid unto others. A portion of our proceeds will go directly to a local charity. Please look for our website soon at www. Dot solidlotionbar.com. Be solid. Do solid. Do your skin a solid. Hey, parents out there with children in grades pre-K through ninth grade, are you struggling to keep your children up with current learning trends and academic demands? Well, one of our sponsors, the JEI Learning Center, can help. JEI Learning Centers offer worldwide tutoring services with over 140 centers in the U.S., All JEI Learning Centers are state-aligned, and they teach the new Common Core curriculum. So let the JEI Learning Centers assess and prescribe your child with the perfect individualized academic program. If you go to Livermore or Santa Clara Centers, ask for the Pod Save the Rest of Us discount. I personally know the JEI program works. So visit their website at us.jei.com and find the Learning Center nearest you. Again, that's us.jei.com. Let these trained academic specialists give your child the academic support he or she needs. Women's rights are inalienable rights. We gotta keep the conversation going. We can't just like do the march and then just stop there. I am Wonder Woman, but it says, in the name of all that is good, your wrath on this world is over. It's I march for my high school girls, I march for my sister-in-law, I march for my future niece, and I march for my mother. Another side says I march for you. Remember when we all seemed to share the same American dream? When we all thought every U.S. citizen should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative? Did that dream just go away? We at Pod Save the Rest of Us do not think so. We believe we all want to be happy. We all want our kids to have a wonderful life. We believe all have common ground. This is Pod Save the Rest of Us. Let's find that common ground again. Easy going, easy come. Where'd you get your info from? I found mine on Reuters. Fact-checked by three sources that were fact-checked for biases and are equal opportunity employers. Welcome to Pod Save the Rest of Us. I am Elizabeth Stanley. 
As we embark on season one, which is exploring women's issues, we felt it was timely to begin with the Women's March. Today's Women's March follows a rich history paved by the many brave women before us. On March 3rd, 1913, a day before President-elect Woodrow Wilson was to be sworn in as president, our four mothers risked their lives as they took to Pennsylvania Avenue in our nation's capital, and they marched. In this historical march, thousands of suffragists were called to protest the agenda of President Wilson's political platform, from which women were excluded. This was the women's suffragists' call to action. Electing Donald J. Trump was viewed by millions of men and women as their call to action. Women especially felt it was time to march again. And on January 21st, 2017, that is exactly what they did. The Women's March was literally worldwide. The peaceful crowds which poured into the streets were viewed by Trump as both cringeworthy and envy-worthy. In 2017, Activist Gloria Steinem at the first ever Women's March had this to say. Our Constitution does not begin with I, the President. It begins with we, the people. I am proud to be one of thousands who have come to Washington to make clear that we will keep working for a democracy in which we are linked as human beings, not ranked by race or gender or class or any other label. Steinem helped call the masses to action. It has been said each generation has its own call to action. Last year, as I was making my plans to attend the Women's March, I began urging my friends to join me. Much to my surprise, they did not seem to understand the importance of the march. This was making me think that maybe the march was not going to be as significant as I had hoped. I thought a human movement was about to happen and they were choosing to stay home. Fortunately, hope was immediately restored when I attended the 2017 Women's March in Oakland, California with my daughter and millions of other participants across the globe. Images of people holding hands and walking together peacefully. These images help to remind me that it is not just a slogan. We are indeed stronger together. The images which resonated most profoundly were those of entire families at the march. I remember vividly smiling when I saw young women who I either taught or coached had attended the march with their children. I was so moved by the insightfulness of these young mothers who understood the Women's March was going to be a positive movement for their entire families to share. One image resonated with me more profoundly than most. It was a picture of Emery at the Walnut Creek, California March with her husband, three sons, and her daughter. I had coached Emery in the late 1990s. She was a thoughtful and compassionate person, even in her youth, so it did not surprise me that Emery would attend the Women's March. But I was so moved to see that she understood the march would be an important family experience. The image has stayed with me, so much so that as the 2018 march was approaching, I wanted Emery's story to be shared as it conveys the true spirit of the Women's March. Amory is a well-respected ER nurse who lives in the San Francisco East Bay. Amory, I would like to start with asking why you attended the Women's March with your children. I felt so hopeless after the last election. It 
um, there, it was a very emotional time for me, and um, I guess I needed to see that uh, I wasn't alone, that there were other people that, that felt the same way I did, that it was um, outrageous, the things that had occurred and been said and been allowed to say um, without anyone really speaking up. And so I felt like, well, if anyone's going to speak up, this is going to be the chance. This will be the chance for me to even see it. And so I wanted to go and be a part of it. And my kids, I mean, the election, uh, it affected everyone. My, my kids were very affected. It was talked about at school, every part of it. And, um, especially the stuff with Trump. And, um, I mean, it's, it's silly and people were mocking it on the news, but, uh, you know, my oldest was having nightmares about, um, Trump being in office and it wasn't, it was because of, uh, what he had heard, um, about him and the things that he had said. And so to him, uh, you know, that was a scary thing to all of us. What do you think your children took away from the march? I don't know that they totally understood it um, because they'd never been to a march. And so I, I don't think that they really knew what to expect. Um, what I told them was that it was uh, a march and it was about women's rights. And, uh, you know, a piece of it was um, because of the things that Donald Trump had said and, you know, some of his supporters had said, um, but that it was also just about ensuring that um, women also had... Um, equal rights and were, and were treated well. And why wouldn't you march for that? And even when, when I was little, I was thinking back because, because my parents instilled that in me that, um, that you have to use your voice. Uh, I remember in elementary school, they were, um, gassing all the golfers and we found out about it. And so one of my neighborhood friends organized a march. And so we all did a walkout (laughs) in elementary school and marched. (laughs) So... I needed to feel like there were other people that felt the same way and that were going to fight for it because this is uh, this isn't just my future right now; it's the kids' future exactly. too. And um, and I can't believe that uh, this kind of behavior and this kind of mentality is um, is going to be accepted and that we'll keep moving on this track. I have to feel or I have to believe that this is just a blip. And this is going to actually, that all of us will rise up. I wanted to see that I wasn't alone in that thought. For me, it's, it's hard to, to not connect the current, the current um, Me Too movement yeah. to the Women's March. Like, we're aware now. I think what changed is that it was women were saying, enough is enough. You know, and they were no longer afraid, or we were no longer afraid to use our voice. That's what I think shifted. Right. People were saying it despite the repercussions, because there's always been repercussions, right, of people speaking out, right. of women speaking out, and people weren't afraid anymore, and people were listening. So I think that that was important, too, like with the Me Too movement, uh, that uh, men, the allies, um, were all of a sudden listening and giving credence to uh, what was being said. Exactly. So... In 20 years, you're being interviewed about the women's, the first women's march that you attended with your family. What can you imagine saying about this event? I hope that I'm saying that uh, it started a movement. That's what I, I hope it said. I think it was a light in a very dark time, and...
that it continued to grow. That's what I hope that I am saying. What do you hope your children took away from the Women's March? Yeah, I mean, well, just in seeing them, all of them, really, at the march, because we were explaining, you know, people were walking around with signs and uh, their hats, and um, and so we were doing, you know, appropriate level explaining of what was going on, um, and so... I hope that they see that they were part of a positive movement, that it wasn't scary. That was one thing, you know, it wasn't scary. There weren't um, people that were being aggressive. It was peaceful. And so what I hope they take away is what I took away when my parents took us to marches is that you have to use your voice, that it's not a scary thing, that you're surrounded by people that are all fighting for the same thing. Do you think this march suggests that your children will need to fight less when they are older? Yes, I hope that they have to fight less. I hope that um, the issues that women face today are not the same issues that my daughter faces in 20 years. But um, I think that there's always going to be a need to stay to stay active um, and fight for uh, social justice. We wanted to learn why people were choosing to still march a year later, so we headed out to the San Francisco and Oakland marches to hear directly from people. And as long as people are trying to show up and talk about important issues, I'm always trying to do that, and it's not always well received, so this seems like a great space, and everyone is so friendly, and it's nice to see all the efforts people are making. Well, I, so personally, I work at a women's community clinic, and I'm here to support all the women who come in every day who don't, can't afford health insurance, who feel like they feel they have no other place to go. I, I coach high school sports for girls, so um, everything I kind of do, and I imagine what they go through, they already have to struggle as it is. Uh, as high school girls with grades or proving themselves um, amongst boys and it, it, I don't want them to have to I don't want the extension of the game of life to be hard, harder as it is when high school is already tough enough for them yeah. um, my sister-in-law has been in our family for close to 15 years now um, she's like a sister I never got and she's due with a baby girl in May so you know I'm, I'm kind of getting to that uncle mode and I'm realizing that this is a new woman that's going to come into a world that's um, still trying to figure out a lot of things so and then of course you know my mom who raised me I, I do a lot of things for her because I, I would I would hope that she would want me to continue the message that she went through in the 60s and you know keep going for my kids eventually one day we also wanted to understand what people were hoping to achieve by marching inch by inch not by mile by mile so yeah. it's just a matter of like staying sticking your you know sticking to what you believe in and working towards that so just hope it keeps happening i hope it happens next year i hope uh people continue not to lose hope it's the future right i mean we're establishing this each step we take now is establishing things for the next generation, right? It's not 
that um, things take time to change. Um, it's not going to evolve in a year or two. It's going to happen five, ten years from now. So it's important for me that she has a safe environment, that she's going to get equal pay, that she's going to get respect as a woman. Well, we have to keep an open mind, but then to keep it productive is that we can't just like drive ourselves into a corner and then we end up stuck on a certain topic and then forget the bigger picture. After we all proudly partook in the 2018 Women's March and listened to the shared experiences, the three of us spoke and from this conversation, co-podcaster Vanessa Rogers reminded us how the Women's March has the power to blend communities together. The Women's March makes us mindful of the ideal community for women. In so many ways, when I got there to the Women's March in Walnut Creek, I was stunned. I hadn't really heard about it. None of my friends um, were able to go. It's almost like we had gone back to just getting used to our past reality. And I was slightly discouraged by that, but I drove downtown and I started seeing all these people. Honestly, I was, I was so surprised only because my immediate circle hadn't expressed any interest in going and I'm driving down the road and there are lines and lines of people with signs and children and husbands and they filled downtown Walnut Creek. They filled the park. There was music. There were all of these signs stating what we're not willing to take anymore. And honestly, I have never experienced anything like it. It was very new for me to see people, especially in my area, taking a stand, voicing their beliefs, their needs, what, I mean, it was really powerful. It's actually kind of hard to describe the feeling I got, but it pulled me right in. I felt strange driving up by myself. And then I realized I wasn't by myself at all. It's an overwhelming feeling for someone who hasn't experienced it before. And that's why this community is so important. You are like absorbing all of this power, all of this strength. It's like you just walk into it and it soaks into your body and you remember that you can make a difference. You can make a change. It's a completely different day (laughs) than or feeling you get on an average day. And I was unbelievably inspired by the children being there, seeing that we vote with our feet. We walk to these marches and we march physically around to say that this is important and our voices matter. I have never been a part of something like that in my life. And all of a sudden, my entire belief changed about what's possible. That's why we have to keep going. That's why we need each other. And that's why we need to assemble. It's a lot different than, you know, three women in a room. I mean, listen, that's incredibly important as well. But when you have hundreds of people there, nothing is impossible. And that's our way. That's our, that's our path. I, I became stronger that day. And I think that through this ideal community We can all feel stronger. And when we feel stronger, 
we can make the moves and use our words to make our realities change for everyone around us, including ourselves, which is something that we need more than anything. We're done. We're done suffering. Time's up. was at the Oakland March, I heard the following very inspiring and moving speech. For many, myself included, this speech was a reminder that the Women's March is a perfect time to celebrate our differences, as well as a reminder that we must all support one another. Please give it up for Lila Montlake. of mine, we do not have one story. All women did not have the right to vote in 1920. The women's suffrage movement was for white, cis, straight women. We do not have one history. In this world of ours, we don't get the luxury to march for one thing. To claim women's rights without claiming black power without acknowledging that trans women are women, without understanding that we are not entitled to every experience, that we do not get to stand here and shout over each other. Sisters of mine, we are not one. We are not one, and I will smile when I say this, because I want to see the lines in your poems and wonder what they mean, what it feels like to hold your ancestors' traumas, to be carrying the weight of everything you must be. This is the beauty of screaming, ain't I a woman, and hearing a chorus of, speak my sister, break this silence, break our silence, speak to what my blood cannot understand. Sisters of mine, let us march for recognition that our bodies are equally women, that we are not living in an equitable world. Let us march to own these arms, to claim ourselves. Let us march for every woman who can feel this ache between their shoulder blades. Sisters of mine, let us march until our feet pulse until the only way we can keep moving is to hold each other up. Thank you. Layla's inspirational speech helped us realize that there are people sitting on the bench and feeling left out of this movement. We really wanted to gain some insights to this reality, so I sat down with civic-minded activist Jay Marie. Jay Marie, I brought you into the studio today as many people have called the Women's March a, a march for human rights. As we at Pod Save the Rest of Us have embarked through this episode, we have learned that the march may not be as, as inclusive as we had perceived. We have discovered some people want to feel included, but feel left out. Those people have felt the Women's March is a straight, white, liberal women's march. So as a woman who has championed diversity and human rights, we knew that we had to hear from you. All right, yeah. did you attend a woman's march? 
I did not, did not attend any Women's March in 2017 or 2018. Because... So, I didn't go, not because I'm not grateful that it's happening, and I think we should build a movement that millions of people feel included in. Um, the hard part, though, right, is... What does how that do we, look like? How do, what does it look like, and how do those folks get taught that they are, that they are related to and, and um, indebted to, mm-hmm. right, people who have been doing this work before them, and how do we make that, on a local and national level, a deep part of how they create the opportunity for people to start joining into these movements. You know what I mean? Um, And that's, that's a massive question for all movements. And so I think that this is just the question of of our time is to say like, we're clearly in this wave of political involvement, political noticing of like, Oh wow, the world doesn't just build itself. We can build it. Who am I committed to? How am I learning and building um, along what along? Like how am I learning and building on what other, other people have already built as opposed to saying, I'm coming along, I have an idea, I'm enraged now. It's like, but where were you when people were being killed, when 20, 30 trans women were killed these last two years? Like, where were you? What what, what feelings did those not stir inside you? And how do you fix that that's not the kind of human that I think you want to be? Like, where where are you putting this pain that doesn't matter to you? Mm-hmm. You know, that's other people are, like, falling apart at, and their, their hearts are so big, but yours is, like, kind of small that you didn't even feel these things, or these people don't even feel like humans to you, that you would react or want to come out into the streets before all of a sudden it's just about women. You know what I mean? Yes. So I'm grateful that the Women's March is happening, and I think it's an opportunity for things like this, right, for us to discuss right. what are the next steps and who are we leaving out, um, and then for people to create commitments. It's not just enough to say, to ask the question. It is important to notice, though, right, because that's something we've been socialized to do is not notice who's not there. And so to, to do that, especially as white folks, as white women, I'm not white, but as people who are, who are white and who benefit from their proximity to or existence within whiteness, it's important for folks to really notice that they're not the center of the world, right? Um, and so then to say, well, who should be the center? Like, not to say that any one person or any one group, but, like, who is not in my life at all that I can begin to think about and not only think about, but really focus on, actually, and say, well, what do trans women need? What do black women need? What do um, gender queer or people who don't identify with one gender or the other, what do they need? What is their life like, you know? And how can I use my privileges, my passions even, right? Not to say you have to shrink away and be less of who you are, but actually what this moment requires and, and asks of you and demands of you is to be the fullest person that you can be while also shifting the things that you focused on that are not serving the world that we want to create. The expectation is not for people to just be grateful about an opportunity like the Women's March, the opportunity to say, wow, here I am grateful with maybe one less thing to worry about and one more thing to fight for. What else? How can I broaden my fight to not only feel strengthened by this one opportunity, but to say, like, who else is fighting alongside me and how can I fight with them? Not just how can I expect them to fight with me? So essentially, by doing more, we become more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even if it feels overwhelming, mm-hmm. we know that that's how you grow, right? Yes. You grow uh, through yes. discomfort, through, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know if I can do it, yeah. right? And so sometimes what I think part of whiteness is, is stopping there. And say, I feel uncomfortable, so I'm not. Yeah. And not, I don't think that's everybody. I think many of us know how to push beyond. We, especially as like athletes, many yeah. of us have learned, right, how to be, how to do that. Pushing against what's hard is actually what makes us powerful. Yeah. Right. So I think that is something that the, the Women's March creates as an opportunity to say like, wow, this is a dope space, right? Like, here we are, There's I know that there's people missing. How do we make them feel included? And not to say, you're included, just come. It's like, yeah. actually, what does that look like? Yes. What would that be like? Who needs to be here? Maybe somebody who looks like a boy but is identifies as a girl needs to be on that stage for people to be trusting that, like, this isn't just for white women. Any last words? Last words? Tie a bow on this, dude. <laughs> Give us some hope. Come on. I mean, the hope is in, like, showing up as your best self. You know what I mean? Like Perfect. 
But thanks for coming today. Yeah, and they can hit me up on Music Freedom Dreams. Um, Say that again. Sorry, I was saying if people want to know more or find out more about the work that I do, they can uh, look on musicfreedomdreams.com or hit me at musicfreedomdreams at gmail.com. All right, listeners, check her out. (laughs) Thanks, Jay Marie. As Karen, Vanessa, and I began working together on our Pod Save the Rest of Us project, obviously we were very focused on what we wanted to say, essentially what we were going to share with our listeners. And by listeners, we assumed our audience would encompass our circle of friends and family, you know, those individuals who have to listen. We hope that these guilted individuals would deem our project worthy of sharing and listenership would ultimately grow. So we just continued through our project. And when we were in the storm of form of these endeavors, we also struggled to come up with a way to structure each episode in such a manner which actually felt authentic to us. Given our lifelong involvement in team sports, we decided each episode would reflect us more naturally if we broke it down like a game day. You may have noticed we had a warm up. There was a game in this episode. And we also had an attempt to get everybody who was sitting, still left sitting on the bench. We want to get them in the game. And now we're at the cool down, or what I like to call the takeaways of this episode. In the cool down, we like to review things that are, you know, that we've learned in this episode, but also ways that we can get better. So for the cool down, let's welcome behind the scenes co-founder Karen Castro. Hi, Karen. How are you today? I'm doing really good. How are you? Good, good. So let's cool down by telling our listeners what we learned. And since I have been dominating the conversation, how about you share your thoughts about today's game, a.k.a. this episode? Yeah, sure. Um, So I think I'll just start with saying what my experience was with the march. Uh, So I was really glad that I went to the march both last year and this year. I was very proud to be a part of that movement, this movement. However, going into the 2018 March, I did have some apprehension. Um, as I asked my friends and family if they were going to go, on several occasions, the response I got was, what March? Are they doing that again this year? And it got me a little concerned. <laughs> so as I walked to the March this year with my friend Anne, we were on the outlook for people um, like we had seen last year with their pink hats and their signs. Um and as we walked to the to San Francisco Civic Center, we didn't see anyone really. It was very quiet down there. Um, so our apprehension grew. Uh, but once we got there, it seemed like, and I haven't seen the official numbers, but it seemed like there was just as many people this year as there was last year. And we were really excited to see that. And just like last year, there were awesome signs. There was good energy. It was peaceful. Um, it was a really good experience. I know that Vanessa and I had the same interpretation or perception. You know, we were both like, nobody's going to attend the march. We couldn't get anyone to go. And, um, and then when we got there, it was the opposite. It just, people were just filling the streets and it was a real positive, uh, positive vibe and it was really exciting. And then the other thing that was really interesting is it was really different for me. It was a very different experience interviewing people at the march rather than just being a part like just being uh mm-hmm. a, a, maybe a more passive participant um it was really neat to be able to talk to people to get an understanding of why they were there and what they were hoping to achieve uh from from the march and from the movement 
And, and one thing I noticed was as I talked to people, one thing that was different this year was I wouldn't say people were less angry, but I would say that it wasn't the focus like it was last year. Um, the focus was more on what are we going to do about this and how are we going to change this? Because it's going on, it's been going on for way too long. So, so you felt like they came with solutions this time. We had an agenda because I felt the same way. I think I would say that for some people that I interviewed, that they came seeking solutions and, and trying to figure out what can they do next. And then so other more proactive, more proactive this year. Yes, yes. And then I think some other people, I mean, the whole, the, one of the big themes of the March this year was get out and vote. So a lot of, I talked to a few people about that and, um, you know, talked about running for local office and all those types of things. So I, I would definitely say some people did come with, these are the things we can do. Yeah. So maybe this would be a good time for our, our three takeaways. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So audience with that, here are our three post-game takeaways. Things in which we think we all could do better um, and to give us focus and purpose. First, if you are 18 years or older, go vote. The power of our democracy lies within our ability to vote. I know some naysayers are out there trying to condition us to think that our vote doesn't matter, but it does. If the majority voted, our members of Congress would begin to care what we need and what the, and not what the top 1% wants. So first takeaway, again, is vote. Second takeaway is contact those members of Congress and let them know exactly what you expect from them. Remind them they, rep they represent us, our communities, make them serve us and not big donors. This is one way we can help get money out of politics and, and to learn to learn more about ways to be civically engaged, I I would say it, it's important that we um, join some group and and one of them I would recommend is like your local indivisible group. They've built a template for holding our members of Congress accountable, and you know just do a, a quick search engine and find your local individual indivisible group, and and I know you'll be happy with um with the work that they're doing. And lastly, but arguably most important, have dialogues outside your safe circle of friends. Seek people you may perceive as different. Jay Marie, Jay Marie and I could not be more different to the naked eye, but as we spoke, our passions and our concerns for humanity were found to be in, in harmony. I truly believe that in conversations, we will find our common ground. So get out there. Um, get to meet people, Get just start talking. Um, I think we genuinely care about one another. And, and if not, just someone getting to know you is going to change their perspective a little. And I, I think those are, those experiences are important for us. Any, any last thoughts, Karen? Yeah, I, I have just a couple last thoughts. Um, I really enjoyed your conversation with Jay Marie. I really, I really enjoyed hearing a new and different perspective. Um, I also, one, one of the things from this episode that really gave me pause was the, the poem at the Oakland March by, um, Layla Motley. It, it just really made me stop and consider who isn't a part of this that really needs to be. Because I, I do understand that there are some people on the right politically that will never be part of this movement. And honestly, I think that's okay. I don't think we need them to succeed. But I think there's a there's a different group of people like Jay Marie 
that that we need as part of this if it's really going to work and really going to happen. Yeah, those of us who are trying to, I, I don't know, think more about community and bridging gaps um, and, and working to close those gaps between just humanists, you know, just the human, the essence of who we are as people, I, it, as many of those that we can get moving forward in the right direction, I, I think we have a, I, I want to say civic responsibility for that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. All right. I think that's a good note to end on. So, all right, listeners, we did it. We made it through our first Pod Save the Rest of Us episode. We've learned so much from exploring the Women's March, and I hope I hope you did, too. Many believe women will become the major force of the next great social movement. As my dad always said, you better believe it. If you wish to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Pod Save the Rest of Us and on Twitter at Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. Why can't we come together? We want to thank our contributors. Introduction voiceover, David Lewis, Hunter Lewis for introduction music, Danny Burns for our transition music, Caprice Hall for our graphic artwork, and Jasmine Smith for web design and content. As always, technical support provided by Robert Stanley. We all have common ground. Let's find it together.